girl, Kara, coming at you from the city of trees, Boise, Idaho. Hey, friends. So glad you joined us today. I am here with my sound engineer, my husband, the love of my life, the father to my beautiful boys, Dusty. Say hi, Dusty. Hey, how's it going? Ooh, I like that sound. Yeah. Um, so he is helping me out on this podcast. He is so amazing. All things sound, all things production. So thank you for being here. I am here because I love to talk about popular crimes, which is why I created a podcast called Pop Crime. In fact, I actually like all things pop culture and I actually like all things crime. So this is just some of my passions coming together. And the reason why we started this podcast is because one of the most infamous trials of this year, maybe this decade, I guess we'll see, is happening in the city of trees, Boise. And that's the Lori Vallow or Lori Vallow Daybell uh, court case. And that is happening right now. So we're going to cover it. But before I get into kind of some of the details of what's going on there, I kind of wanted to do a little flashback to some of my favorite it sounds weird to say favorite. Some of the court cases I followed in the past, saying favorite makes me sound like I'm I'm like into death and stuff, which which I'm not. I'm like just into kind of like crime gossip. But it was so funny because last night we were with some friends and it kind of organically came up like what where do you remember where you were when you heard the OJ Simpson verdict? And we all remembered that. Dusty, do you remember where you were? I was on the second floor at Boise High School. They had just announced it and then like passing period. And it was wild. And similarly, I was in seventh grade math class, Mr. Fuller's class. And we actually watched it live. Like the TV was in there and on. And listening to everybody else that we were talking to, our friends, they were all watching it too or listening to it in class. So it it seems weird to me that everybody, when you think back of it, was just watching it. But it was a huge trial. It was a huge deal. Um, it, in fact, it was one of those, it was one of the first memories because I thought everybody thought the same as I did. And so when we heard that surprising not guilty verdict and there were kids in my class that I didn't know very well who weren't the same as me, who were screaming with joy, I was like, what? That just was, seemed so crazy to me. But, uh, you know, you learn things when you grow up. Not everybody thinks the same and has the same outlook on life. True. So um, I think some of the other ones that I remember watching intently, do you remember anything about the Michael Jackson trial? I, there were a few. I remember one when he stood up on his car and like cheered oh, yeah, or something. Yeah, that was that one. It was when he was on, on trial for like child molestation. Yeah, I remember that part. Yeah, that, that was out. very sensational. Um, I remember John Benet Ramsey. Now that wasn't a trial because nobody ever got convicted of that, but that was a big crime like story that I followed all throughout the 2000s. In fact, stuff still comes out about it that we don't really, I mean, no, it's, it's an unsolved, unsolved murder that has just haunted America. And I think partly the reason I follow a lot of this stuff was when I came home from school or whether it was college, junior high or high school, I would turn on the TV and it was kind of afternoon 
what would you call those talk shows like hard copy? Afternoon like entertainment reporting? Inside edition. Inside yeah. edition, hard copy. I mean, they were full on on these things. And that's kind of where I got into this. So I watched like the Menendez brothers. I watched Tanya Harding. You remember Tanya Harding? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That one was great. These end up making really good. Um, I mean, now they're like 30 for 30s or little Netflix documentaries. But before that, it was, it was the was it Lifetime movies or ABC like Friday night movies? Pulled from the headlines. Pulled from the headlines. Yeah. So anyways, I'm obsessed. And now that I watch Real Housewives of Every City, there's usually probably one every other year getting arrested and charged with some pretty big financial crimes. So those are fun to to watch too. Anyways, so um, I'm really excited because in, in our hometown- Boise, we have the trial that everybody's talking about, and it's Lori Daybell. And it's being tried here in Boise because um, the, the murders actually happened in East Idaho in Rexburg, but that town and that community is pretty small. And to get a, like a fair jury, unbiased jury, they wanted to bring it over here to to Boise. So that's why it's over here. Um, and yeah, so I think I should give a little bit of backstory about who Lori is and why this case was so big. And the thing about this case now she's accused or she's been charged along with her husband, her husband, Chad has also been charged with the same crimes, but they ended up like, they're not being tried together. So they separated, they're not like co-defendants anymore. They're going to have separate trials. So Lori's first. And she's been charged with killing two of her kids or murder of two of her kids. And then also the conspiracy of murder for Tammy Daybell and Charles Vallow, which is the the late spouses of each of Chad and Lori. So Lori and Chad got married after their spouses passed away. And those have now been determined to be murders. So I think how this came to the national attention, even though the story goes way before it came to the national attention is in um, late mm, 2019, the paternal grandparents of these now deceased murdered children had started alerting police and alerting the media that their grandchildren were missing. They had kept calling Lori, asking to talk to them, asking to see them. And she was kind of ghosting her and the grandparents. And so they called authorities The authorities um, could not track down the kids, could not get good answers from Lori. And so this was all playing out in in the media. Everybody who would see Lori, she'd be out in Rexburg or she'd be flying off to Hawaii. People would be yelling at her, where are your kids? Where are your kids? And it was kind of, it it was a weird situation because you don't really hide kids very well especially in the small town of like Rexburg. I mean, if nobody's seeing the kids, you know, something's up. 
And she wouldn't say to the media, she wouldn't say to the police where her kids were. Now, initially, she told the police that the kids were with her friend Melanie Gibb in Arizona. And for a half a second, Melanie Gibb kind of complied with that and went along with it until she realized like the kids actually were not, like there was a problem. Um, but yeah, let's, let's try to rewind. Let me rewind it a little bit back further. So Lori, th- this gets brought up a lot. Lori and her fourth husband, which I don't know is super germane that she's been married so time, so many times. <laughs> she didn't murder all of them. Um, but she, um, is married to this guy named Charles. They have a, a wonderful family. They were living in Hawaii for a while. We will have more on that. We have some inside inside sources. We have inside sources of people in Hawaii. Um, hopefully, we can get him on the pod. On the pod. Do you think we can get him on the pod? I believe that's going to yes! happen. Yes. Okay, guys, stay tuned. We have people who actually know the late Charles Charles Vallo and um, Lori while they were married and living in Hawaii. Okay, so Lori and Charles have a wonderful family. She starts getting involved into some like, I guess you'd call it like religious extremism or like off, off-brand off LDS um, b- beliefs. And she starts reading books and going to conferences. And it's kind of like, I don't know if they call it like latter, latter day, but like, ta- like end times Mormonism stuff. And I don't know a ton about that, but- um, she gets involved in that kind of stuff. And she meets at one of these conferences, Chad Daybell. And Chad Daybell is very like charismatic and he is maybe kind of a leader in this movement as well. He's written books. So they form a connection and obviously it turns into a marriage. But before we get there, so this is in 2018, she meets, she meets Charles. Um, Chad. Chad. Oh my gosh, Chad. Thank you. Um, and then in, um, 2019, I guess things don't like her husband isn't into this, this end times LDS stuff. So he doesn't really get it. And she just keeps getting deeper and deeper into it. Her and her friend, Melanie, in fact, they went to those conferences together. So she's getting deep into it. And so there's like kind of a rift between her and her husband. Um, and eventually they are, I don't know if they're estranged or separated, but one day, um, Lori's brother, Alex, who's also into this end times religious sect. I won't, I don't know if it's a cult, but he comes over and they have, he has a confrontation with her husband, Charles. And there was a gun involved, and wouldn't you know it, it caused um, Charles to die. So Alex killed Charles with his gun. He said it was in self-defense. Now, the kids and Lori are there at the time when it happens, and while they're calling the cops, she takes them to Burger King because, you know, like, their father was just murdered. I mean, that's what you do. Yeah, I mean— yeah, you can't just watch him bleed out. That's inhumane. So she takes them to Burger King and the cops show up. Alex says it was self-defense. They got into argument. Now, Alex showed up with a gun. 
So, and maybe this is just my opinion about how guns work, but you know, you show up, you show up with a gun. I mean, maybe you meant to do something. So anyways, Alex kills, Alex kills Charles and it's initially ruled self-defense. And um, Lori comes back from Burger King later and she's not as distressed as you should be probably, or the cops thought she should be when your husband has been shot dead in your home while your children are there. So that set off alarm bells with the Arizona PD and they will be testifying um, in her court case. So, so that happens. That's in July of 2019. So right after his death, she moves the kids and Alex also up to Rexburg. Now Rexburg is very LDS community. It's it's a small town in Idaho, but that's also where Chad lives. And they obviously have some sort of relationship already going on. Because two months later in September is the last time the kids are ever seen. The last time Tylee, and Tylee's 17 is seen, is at West Yellowstone. And she isn't seen after, I think, September 9th. And then the last time JJ, who is, is he like eight or nine? Something like that. He's seen is like the September 22nd. So that's the last time they're seen. And then in October, that next month, Chad's wife dies. She dies and it's ruled initially like natural causes. Now, she's like not old and not sick and doesn't have health problems. So 49 and and dead, that's seems suspicious, but they didn't nobody knew that the kids were missing at this time. So it wasn't suspicious yet. Wait. It it wasn't suspicious to people that for what, three weeks, no one has seen the kids? Well, it was suspicious to the paternal grandparents. So to Charles, his he's dead now, but his parents were like, where are the kids? And, and Lori's not answering the phone or she's like telling them they're not, you know, they're not around. Did the school ever contact like JJ? I don't know if she ever enrolled them because, okay, they move right afterwards. And I don't know that she ever enrolled them into school. She tells when, when people are asking about Tylee, she says, oh, she went to BYU and is living in the dorms. So one time she says that. So I, don't, I doubt she ever enrolled them. I, I don't know. This might also sound a little, this, these type of people also might homeschool their kids, you know, too. So I don't know, maybe. But I don't, I don't think that was- Part of it. Okay, so October, one month after the kids go missing, the wife of Chad dies. But don't you worry. One month later, Chad and Lori decide to get married. So they got married in Hawaii and on a beach in a, in a wonderful ceremony um, without the children because they're missing. And uh, so anyways... By that time, the, the world is wondering where these children are and they're being harassed and harassed and harassed. So they get married and the world's wondering where the kids are. And at this time, I think around this time, December, 
they're asked, like the, the courts are like mandating that she, that she like provides her kids or like shows her kids or tells us where they are. And she's not really complying with those orders. So on December 11th, 2019, the coroner ruled that um, Tammy died of natural causes, but the investigators who are kind of all up in this situation decide to reopen the case and, and exhume her body. And that's on December 11th. But then on December 12th, Alex Cox died. And Alex is Lori's brother who shot and killed her late husband, Charles. So now he's dead. Charles is dead. Tammy is dead. And Alex is dead. Alex's death is uh, also ruled um, natural causes. Now he's also a younger guy. I think he's even younger than Lori. So he might have been, been in his 30s. Um. So then in February, no, let's skip that. So they're trying to do all these welfare checks and trying to figure out where the kids are. And Lori at one point says, oh, the kids are with my friend Melanie in Arizona. Well, they try to contact Melanie and at first she she gives an alibi for the kids because I don't think she knows that they're dead. Oh, by the way, they're dead. Sorry. She doesn't know? I don't think initially she knows, but then she figures out something's wrong. Like it's not just uh, like a, a witch trial. I think Lori might think she's being persecuted for her beliefs at this time. But then Melanie realizes the kids are really missing and she tells the cops, no, they're actually not with me. So um, and that was Lori's alibi for a while. She was like, the kids are with my friend in Arizona. Turns out they're not. Um, and then, okay, so here we are in January, 2020. They just got married and they are just having a wonderful time in Hawaii. No children present, no worries, no cares in the world. But um, while they're in Hawaii, the police serve them with a court order saying like, you have to physically produce these children. And they just like totally ignored that. Totally disregarded that. So um, in February, they charged Lori and Chad with criminal like child desertion since they don't know where the kids are. And they don't have like dead bodies or anything. So they can't like charge them with the murder yet. Um, but that's, that's where it, now in March, she was actually extradited from Hawaii to Idaho. And she made her appearance in court. And, and um, in June, so about five months later, they found the bodies. And, the bodies of the children were um, buried in Chad's backyard in Rexburg, Idaho. So that's why they were in, then indicted for murder. Both of them found in the same location? No, no I mean, it sounds like he's got a pretty big property. Um, Tylee was found in what they called the pet cemetery, which is where they buried the family pets. And then... Um, and JJ was not. He was in a different area of the yard. So that's why it was such big news because we kind of all watched and waited knowing kind of what the outcome was that these kids weren't, weren't around. And so for a while there, um, 
while, so obviously they charge him with murder because the kids have been murdered. And um, for a while in 2021, before they started like the adjudication process, they thought like she wasn't like mentally fit to be on trial for a while. And I don't know if she was like having breakdowns. I mean, it's obviously something like with mental health, I'm guessing. Because physically she's been able, she's been healthy and stuff. But she has never, um, she's always, she's never said that she's done it. She's never admitted any guilt. So um, she is pleading not guilty to these charges. And last week, uh, they started with the jury selection. And they cast a really, really wide net here in Boise. In fact, we know two people, four people? Probably about four. All teachers? Did we hear of anybody who wasn't a teacher? No. All teachers. What does that say about you guys? That we have a good sense of justice. Mm. And I was I was told that teachers often get put on juries because they often have to play that role at school. Like, okay, maybe you did it. Maybe, and we seek to find the answers to which kid punched which kid first. So Hmm. teachers often get put on juries. Interesting. So, yeah. So this initially, when we heard some of Dusty's friends from school were part of the jury selection process, we were like, oh, snap, that's going to be so insane if they got put on that for like 10 weeks. So they, they initially started out with 1,800 people and they kind of whittled it down through the jury selection process as the days went on. And they had like a questionnaire that they had to fill out. It was like 30 pages. Yeah. And one of the questions was like, are you okay with seeing like pictures of dead children? Or yeah, autopsy, autopsy photos, photos of children. And when Dusty said that to me, he when he was telling me about it, he was like, oh yeah, I could totally do that. And I was like, well, who are you? Like, no, you cannot. It turns out I can't. Who are people? Who are these people that just like, yeah, I can look at dead children all day? No, I, I guess I, I, I was thinking like, I can see, cause I enjoy those kinds of shows like the um, plastic surgery show. So I was like, oh, that, and then you reminded me like, these aren't like edited. Like you can't see, like you're seeing everything you're seeing that it's a child you're seeing. So it's not just a little section. And then I said, you're absolutely right. There's no way I could do that. Absolutely. I, I also kind of wonder if that question on the questionnaire is also a trick question. Because like, are you supposed to really answer yes to that? Are you like the people who answer yes? No, you throw those people out immediately. Those are freaks. Or dishonest people like you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You want people to say no. You want people to be uncomfortable. Or at least on the prosecution side, like you want to pictures that are sympathetic to like children that are dead. Well, and I, I was told that it wasn't so much that they were looking which jurors to keep. They were looking more which jurors to release. And then you're left with a, a group. So it's, it's not that you're trying to choose the right juror. It's that you're trying to get rid of jurors you would not like on that jury. And then you end up with this group of people. It also sounded like they were looking for jurors that weren't familiar with the case, which has been pretty big news, not just here, but nationally. So trying to find people that were familiar is hard. 
But when you talk to your friend who was part of the jury selection process, who didn't end up being a juror, he had never heard of it. How's that possible? Um, he has five kids and he doesn't do social media and he does not spend his life looking at like information like that. And so he said he didn't know anything about it, which was interesting. Um, and then he didn't even make the jury. He went home then and, and looked and he thought, Oh my goodness, is this all real? Like, is this really happening? So he was totally in the dark and they chose not to keep him, which was shocking. Shocking. They needed him. So of the four people we know slash have heard, none of them ended up being jurors. They ended up going with 10 men, eight women. So they have 18 people. And that means I think that's six alternates, but you don't know who's an alternate until you start deliberating. So I think they just don't want to have to, like, it's a long trial. So some will have to be dismissed maybe for personal reasons. And so you just don't, they just want to start with a ton. Yeah. So they all sit in and then I, during once deliberation starts, they say, you're an alternate. You still have to kind of sequester and not look things up, but you have to be ready in case somebody leaves. I would be so pissed if if I went through all of that. If I had to look at autopsies of children, if I had to miss 10 weeks of work of my family, all to be dismissed as an alternate. How rude. How rude. Respect my time, Justice. I mean, come on. Um, the other thing now, this is, this is what's going to stop this case from being like the OJ Simpson or the Michael Jackson trial or the Menendez brothers. There are no cameras allowed. That is a bummer. So we don't get that. I think what makes a trial a big deal is if you get to see the footage because there's some, there's some court drawings. And, and, but and they're great, but the they are not the same. They are not and the same. And actually, let's let's roll that back. Because I've seen the court drawings, at least the ones that KTVB has. And I'm used to like, I'm used to like, you know, they're kind of like sketches with like sharp ankles and stuff. If you could bring up a picture of some of these court drawings, it looks, this is going to be horrible because I'm, I'm a horrible artist. So it kind of takes one to know one, but these aren't good. These look like teenagers are drawing them. I don't. I don't know what to say. If you're a court artist, sorry, but and maybe you're it's just right. like KTVB's court artist. I don't know if every news, maybe they don't have to. Maybe if they have their own court artist, then they don't have to pay for like the Associated Press one or the National News one. But let me just tell you, KTVB looks like they have a local teenager just doing the drawings. <laughs> it's not. It's and those actually the ones that you're showing right now those actually look a little better. The ones like I saw, I was, I was just like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. It just they look like Daria. Um, <laughs> if you don't no, go ahead and head over to KTVB and look at some of the drawings. It's there now some of them are shaded in really well, but just the ones they have of like random sketches, like that right there. Oh my gosh, we'll have to use this on. I'll have to start a vlog or something because that that looks like Jonah drew that. And Joe was a good artist. Joe's good. He's in fifth grade. For fifth grade. But like, just imagine a fifth grader drew the court scene. So it's going to be hard for me not to look at that. Oh, they signed it. Who's the signature? We're going to keep that private. Unless you go to KTVB, you can, you can. Yeah, we might have to all scratch that whole thing. That was too rude. It's not, it's not rude. It's, it's honest. 
But we also have to think of they're drawing very quickly. Like they're trying to catch a scene. Oh, for sure. When that scene has now moved on to something else. <laughs> exactly. Not I wish said. you could see. Kara pointed and kind of tilted. Her no, head. this is You're wonderful. Right. Like we're on, we're in an audio medium, and I'm like describing pictures that somebody drew. Okay, so um. Well, on TikTok, wonderful. you'll be able to maybe snap some of the pictures. Now I'm debating whether or not I should go and watch like a day or two because anybody can technically go to the trial. You have to like. And they they call it like getting tickets and you have to get tickets the day before. And it's like, it's like getting Taylor Swift tickets, which I did success, successfully twice. So I could probably get into this court case. But, you know, I like watching the recaps, but eight hours of this nonsense, I don't know that I could do. I don't know if I could do that. What do you think, Dusty? You think I should try to get tickets? I think you should try at least one day. I think you should try to get in there. I mean, for your fans, for your audience. For my fans, yes. It would it would mean taking a day off because it's a you know it's a full day. But I think you should time it. Yeah. Now there's uh, there's supposed to be like eight to ten weeks of this, so I, I do want to time it. Now I follow this girl on TikTok. I think her account is called like Idaho Crime Stop or something, and she got in and she didn't she didn't know what was going to be like presented that day, but it was the autopsy day. And she said she had to see those pictures and she's not okay. She showed it. They showed it to the whole like galley, like everyone in there. Well, you have to, because you have, they yeah, present it and the jury has to see it as the defense and prosecution. So it's not like you cannot not see it. It's not like. She chose not to look away. I think it was hard. I, I mean, I, I bet I, I don't judge her one bit because that would be difficult. And we'll get into that because I think that was day two. And I've been taking notes, guys. So we can, um, I think we'll do the next episode. I'll recap like the first few days um, and give the highlights and lowlights. And there has, there's been a little bit of drama and we can go through that. And yeah, but thanks for joining us. I hope you guys come back. And listen to all the, I was going to say fun stuff, but that is not, this is a serious topic. So we want to keep it very serious. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming. And I hope you guys come again. Take care. Bye.